0: Hi, everybody, it's Richard Zwicky on The Green Peak. And joining us this week, we have John Mazarakis, who is the chairman of Chicago Atlantic. Welcome aboard, John.
1: Hey, Richard. Thank you for having me. How are you guys doing today?
0: Phenomenal. Thank you. So, you know, Chicago Atlantic is a billion-dollar lender to companies in the cannabis industry in the U.S. And you went public. You're about four years old, from what I understand. And you went public in uh, December of 2021. Good timing to go uh, go public just before everything else drops out. I wish I could have done that in 2019.
1: (laughs) Which is, you know, better to be lucky than good.
0: That's yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So and you know, since since you went public, how much did you raise in that uh, offering?
1: 100 million.
0: Okay, because I understand that since that time, you've actually uh, placed about 140 into the market.
1: 112, to be exact, based on the latest announcement um, year to date. So, uh, yeah, uh, we've been humming. Uh, We are, you know, we're doing exactly what we told investors we're going to do. We're very excited with the space. We feel it's uncorrelated. Um, It's more correlated to um, the legislative end of things rather than the financial side of things that you see crumbling in the last few months. So, um, yeah, we're very bullish in the space. Uh, we're, we're, We're hoping for some sort of federal relief in the next you know, six to 12 months, Um, but we're not holding our breath either.
0: It certainly would be nice. I know there's a lot of firms which would be relieved if that happened, Um, no pun intended. Um, Your focus though is on the mid sized companies, am I correct?
1: Correct, Uh, that's our bread and butter.
0: And uh, which states do you operate in?
1: So we like to focus east of the Mississippi, Richard, Um, and the reason being is the limited nature of the licensing environment uh, east Mm -hmm. of the Mississippi. So um, we're primarily in states like Illinois, which is, you know, our home turf. Mm -hmm. Um, And then Michigan is not quite a limited license environment. So I'll skip over Michigan. We can discuss it. We can discuss Michigan and Massachusetts um, separately, but PA, Maryland, Connecticut, New York, New Jersey, Delaware, Virginia, Maryland, uh, West Virginia, uh, Georgia, and Florida are amazing states. Very limited in in licensing, and uh, we we feel that there is sort of a, a a huge opportunity there. Not just for us, but for the operators as well.
0: Uh, absolutely, and you know, as you as you look at the market, I mean, that's a, that's a lot of states. It's every state that's going to have uh, pretty much an operation possible is where you're going to focus, obviously, because you want to support the businesses that go through it. But, you know, companies look at different methods of financing to de-risk their loans or to recapitalize or to basically free up capital to drive growth. How do you approach, how do you approach the firms? What do you look for? What do you look at? And what are things that just make you turn away?
1: Um, well, we have very, I mean, we're not reinventing lending by any means. Uh-huh. Um, if I were to add one parameter that maybe traditional um, lending doesn't focus on is the state in which we're lending in. We want it to uh-huh. be limited in nature. But if I exclude that parameter, then the rest are cash flow, uh, collateral, uh, and and the team. Uh, that's that's a very important element of, of our underwriting, albeit, you know, intangible. Uh, we, but we try to connect with the uh, the team, visit the team, uh, hopefully more than once, understand the culture of the company, and, and ultimately we want to fund individuals with integrity.
0: Right. And, you know, and that's, you always want to fund inv- individuals with integrity. That's, if you don't have that, it's a big problem. Um, you may not like everything that happens, but if they have integrity, at least you're, you have a decent conversation. Um, you know, you touched on something earlier, banking reform. And that's, you know, you you say 6 to 12 months, it's, you know, I I wish we all had a crystal ball to really be to know what's going on because it's been 6 to 12 months for for years and I don't think it's ever been wrong, it's just where's the starting line? Um but when it happens from the lender's perspective, who benefits the most?
1: Um, obviously, the, um, the the whole supply chain will benefit, um, starting with the end consumer because the, the prices uh, will be incrementally um, declining, which is a be- net benefit for consumers. Uh, and then, of course, the producers, uh, the retailers, um, the the distributors. Um, the brands will benefit, uh, you know, everyone in the supply chain will, will benefit. And I guess the question is, how do we benefit in that, you know, mm-hmm. because there is this argument, we get this question a lot, are, do you expect rates to compress? Um, is And, and the, the answer, Richard, is, is not an if, it's a when, right? We know... Right. 67% of the population already approves of cannabis. We know some sort of legalization uh, will occur. To your point, I've been wrong 25 times in the last, you know, 20 months. Um, You're the only one who's
0: been that low. <laughs>
1: <laughs> predicting, you know, when this will happen. But I think yeah. where, where we're benefiting in, in an event of legalization is I, we will have probably the lowest cost of capital. At that point um i believe larger institutions so this is what what we believe and what we hear from larger institutions larger institutions the wells fargos of the world the very big pension funds they're not going to lend money to um operators right so they'll they'll seek experts in the space that have been doing it and have a track record like chicago atlantic and they'll try to fund um institutions like Chicago Atlantic, thereby reducing our cost of capital. So our cost of capital right now is somewhat exaggerated for traditional lending. As right. a result, the, the the capital that we lend out is mm-hmm. definitely expensive. As that cost of capital on our side decreases, we feel that the spread will be greater uh, in the medium term. In the long term, you know, if if we believe that cannabis will will compete directly with alcohol and tobacco, we feel that yeah, ultimately there will be compression, just like any other industry, and supply and demand will rule. You know, efficiencies. You know, if we're an efficient company, they can uh, sustain a, a positive reputation and a great brand. I think we're going to. I think we're going to do great over time. There are other instruments that we can offer. Uh, for example, there is no. Uh, there are no revolvers in cannabis right now, um, so there, you know, there, there's there's very little factoring in, in cannabis. So there right. is a gamut of um, financial instruments that don't even exist in the space that we will naturally gravitate to. So that's kind of like the big picture um, analysis. So you'd
0: look, so you'd look at the institutional investors. You know, if I use a VC uh term as basically some of your limited partners where they'd be large investors in the market through you
1: that's right so a traditional fund that has you know that has about a billion you know we're about a billion three right now um in in deployments usually has about 50 to 70 investors um, we, be, because institutions are shying away from the space, we actually have 550 investors. That gives you a sense of our, you know, IR machine, and right. who our core investor is.
0: Right. So your core investor is spending is investing about two and a half million dollars through you to That's place right. into the market, and you know those um, those investors. They're sp- I assume they're almost, you know, exclusively U.S.-based, or are they global?
1: Actually, that's a great question. We have an offshore vehicle, and uh, we, you know, it's growing rapidly. Um, the whole world is looking for, there's nowhere to hide, as, right. as we hear constantly in the media. So um, everyone is feeling the pain, and everyone is looking for yield. Um, there is uh, There is an offshore vehicle that has been doing very well for us. And the beautiful thing is that um, there are uh, relationships out, out there with other countries that uh, render that kind of investment almost tax-free for a foreigner. So it's mm-hmm. been it's been very lucrative for us.
0: Well, that's excellent. Um, I'd like to come back to a bit of that after we have to take a short break. Um, but we'll be back in just a minute with John Mazarakis from Chicago Atlantic. I'm Richard Zwicky on The Green Peak. The Green Peak. We'll climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors. And we're back on The Green Peak with John Masarakis. And John, you know, just before the break, we were talking about, you know, your your investors are more and more globally using different vehicles, but your average investor is about two and a half million dollars. In some, in some ways, those are large investors. In other ways, they're small relative to parts of the market. But there's a lot of investors who got involved in the cannabis business um, early on, you know, be it from the international side or um, some into parts of the U.S., who, who got hit badly by market downturns. And some of them are scarred and scared. And there's a good viable market to invest in. But what do they really need to look for? I mean, working through a firm like yours as opposed to a direct investment offers them a different kind of return. But what is the advantage for them?
1: So, as I like to say uh, time and time again, we never claim to be um, operators of a, um, of a rocket ship or even contractors of a, right. of a, a rocket ship under construction. Uh, we're, mm-hmm. more, we're more like the bus that takes the, uh, the potential astronauts, the, the, the individuals mm-hmm. that do want to build the rocket ship, from their home to the launching pad, and we charge a little fee. Um, right. I like this analogy because we're credit guys and we've been mm-hmm. very prudent. Uh, we advance very low uh, collateral coverage um, rates. So our loan to value today is less than, 50, than than 60%. And that's just on real estate. Um, our loan to enterprise value is probably under 30%. So we've been very- prudent what's the prudent.
0: average size of a loan? Or what's the um, range that you work with also?
1: So the range is from, you know, a million dollars to $350 million advanced to an MSO uh, named uh-huh. Verano. Right. and uh, Right. Actually, the is a- head
0: of Verano was on the show just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, George? Uh, yeah. I'm not George. Somebody else. Sorry. I have to look up. Sam or George.
1: Yep. Uh, yes. So, Sorry. I'm terrible yeah, with names. <laughs> great guys. No, no, no problem. Uh, great Super. guys. Yeah. Top five MSO. Um, they're literally, they're doing really well. Uh, we're very happy for them. And they in fact build a rocket ship. Now, when you're trying to pick winners and losers, and you're looking as an investor to invest in, in equity, you're taking on a much greater risk than investing <laughs> in us. We have been traditionally delivering a 3% quarterly um cash yield to investors right. so yep. we take the conservative approach and i would say um we we were early thinkers that the conservative approach kind of shoots us better um uh-huh. we made our money in a very difficult industry prior to cannabis and we wanted to deploy it safely and you know we care about everyone's money in the same way that we care about our own capital
0: no, that's actually, I would like to come back on that one second, but I should just clarify. It was Darren Weiss from uh, Verona who was on the show oh, a couple okay. of weeks ago. Chief Operating I'm, I'm Officer, a terrible great. time with names, so I, I feel bad for messing that up.
1: No, Darren is great. Yeah, I know him. He's a uh... really
0: excellent person. It was a great conversation, um, you know, all about the operations and some of the challenges and what they're looking forward to. So, you know, the $350 million loans are one thing. The million dollar loans take a, a ton of work relative to the investment value. Um, where do you want? You know, you try and focus on the mid market, from what I understand, the mid-sized companies. So, what's the ideal for you coming in the door?
1: 25, 25 to you know, twenty five to thirty million is, I would say, right. our our target size right now. Um, and the the million dollar loan, Richard, we don't, you know, I. I have a background that it's very hard for me to say no to clients, and we have a, 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 you know, we have a two-sided demand here. On the one hand, you have the investors, so I almost don't want to say no to any size investment, right. and then you have the borrowers. You, you don't want to say no to any borrower, but here's like the litmus test for me: if mm-hmm. an investor or a borrower wants to start. At, at a lower level, and I do see an opportunity for both of us to grow together, I would always jump on that opportunity. I, I will not say no. So it's that right. potential that we're betting on. And we understand, trust me, we understand the pain and the cost associated with, with smaller investors and with smaller investments. Uh, so we're very cognizant of that, and, and we're, we're trying to stay on top of it.
0: Right. No, no, That's that's – Tremendous. Now, you mentioned earlier that the, f- the market you were in prior was difficult. It was a more challenging space. Tell us about what that was and how it evolved into cannabis, because some people look at cannabis as being a hairy and scary marketplace.
1: So um, for, for the last prior, you know, from 1999 to uh, 2018, mm-hmm. I was in the Hospitality and restaurant industry, and okay. you know, I I built and ran a company of eighteen hundred employees, um, uh, probably million square feet of uh, retail space. Uh, mm-hmm. We did really well. The company is still doing really well. I'm I'm very proud for what we've accomplished. And what I've learned was that competition is not something that scares scares me, but it shouldn't be mm-hmm. something that I that I'm that I'm seeking out. Uh, so right. I was trying to find an industry around 2018 that has the least possible competition and the, the, the greatest potential. And my partner, Tony, actually um, brought up the idea of investing in cannabis. And within days of researching the, uh, the industry as a whole, and we actually went to, it was pretty serendipitous. We visited uh, MJBiz, the MJBiz conference, yep. and I was all in. I was completely mm-hmm. convinced of the opportunity and the size of the market. It if was you went in 2018,
0: expo. it would have been just a mind-boggling event it, for an industry it, which
1: it, it was. A, it was, Richard. It, yeah. it actually blew my mind because I had been to humongous expos, but this one was federally illicit. So that's uh-huh. what I kept thinking that the whole time. And I'm like, wow, this is such a dislocation in the market that you know has so much potential and uh, banks cannot lend in the space so um, we jumped in with both feet and we never looked back and you
0: know as you as you entered the market you know to grow to your having a billion dollars placed uh in the market obviously at the start there's fundraising challenges and every startup every operator runs into that same thing but you as a institution raising capital to then invest in in the companies that people are, you know, looking at and looking for help with, how was the fundraising process for you? And did it, how many tranches did you do to get to the first billion?
1: So we we have. Uh, our, our one vehicle, our fund, every vehicle that we actually uh, raised was an Evergreen mm-hmm. vehicle, including the, the private vehicle that we have now. And then, of course, okay. we have the public vehicle that has the, the permanent capital that we can go to the markets uh, right. for. Um, the, the good thing about our relationship is that my partner, Tony, is just absolutely phenomenal with raising capital. Uh-huh. And he kind of spearheads investor relations. Uh, he goes in this tunnel vision, almost like a race car driver, uh, right. going at, you know, 300 miles an hour. And uh, he just forgets everything else. The investor is the most important um, goal in front of him. And he executes day in and day out. So we're all very thankful for him and and, and his commitment to uh, IR. Um, of course, we all kind of contribute to investor relations and we all talk to investors Mm-hmm. Um, but but that that is Tony's you know, um, expertise so to speak. Right, and um,
0: yeah, I mean, investor relations is, um, you know, it's a massive job, and it doesn't just take one; it does take a whole company. And keeping on messaging is always difficult for an entire organization because one one misspoken word can be completely misinterpreted. Um, right, you know, so. You know, as we as we look at the um, the market, and you know, one of the things we touched on that I'd like to touch on again after we take a break is I think something that's you know a bit of a passion for our viewers based on something you said earlier, which is the banking reform and where that's going and what's really going to happen. So after the break, um, we'll come back with John Mazarakis from Chicago Atlantic. Sorry, that was a bad outro (laughs) but we'll go back in let's do it again okay thank you so um john just uh one thing i'd like to come back to just after we have to take a short break is some insights onto a passion of yours which is the cannabis banking reform Uh, but we do have to take a short break and we'll be back on the green peak with john mazarakis from chicago atlantic the Green Peak will climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors. And we're back on The Green Peak with John Mazarakis uh, with Chicago Atlantic. And John, you know, something you touched on earlier, which I n- understand is a passion of yours, is the cannabis banking reform. And, you know, there's one, there's one path, which is the whole legalization aspect. And there's the state-by-state, state, and then there's the federal and everything it brings to it but there's safe banking and there's so many other different aspects that have to be addressed before and you know concurrently with legalization how are you planning your firms you know participation and uh, what changes do you see or do you ask companies to make with an eye towards the coming changes whenever
1: they happen that is a loaded question, Richard. Um, what, what I would say is, you know, there are many, like you said, there are so many different forms that uh, this legalization process can take. Uh, it's actually mind-boggling um, what they actually insert in certain bills, not to mention the fact that there are probably 10 bills, but then, you know, certain things appear in the bill, and then they they remove them, and then they put them back in, Um, I think I find this whole process fascinating. I think the left, frankly, is stuck because of the two sides within the left. Um, And, you know, frankly, it's the progressive side that wants to see some sort of social equity component and and real true delisting of the substance. And then there is the the right side of the left that wants to see a more business friendly environment and just they're, they're like, let's take it step by step and just allow banks at least to provide treasury, not just do it in a hush-hush way. So starting from that and then kind of blowing it up all the way in, in, through interstate commerce and, and allowing the FDA to um, uh, monitor the substance, just like they monitor pretty much every uh, consumable that we we get to enjoy. Um, it's, it's just the two sides of the spectrum are... Like as far apart as anyone can imagine. Um, in but, thinking about, but in about some ways
0: this- they're not right because if you take a look back at when uh, the the path that Hemp followed, you know it's somewhat ironic that it followed and immediately thereafter Boehner and I think Ryan also joined boards of large companies in the space. Boehner uh, went through, um, uh, well, eventually ended up with Canopy and um, the like, but immediate participation and. You know, that was a big step for the industry as a whole, getting the uh, getting hemp and uh, legalized nationally.
1: Absolutely. And I'm glad you brought this up because it actually the gap. If we if we take Canada as a model, that's a 10 year gap between mm-hmm. when hemp got approved and when THC was legalized. So or thereabouts. So I, I find that, you know, I agree with you um it they're not that different i was going to i was going to touch on a different point and bring up the fact that thin cannabis within the thc side of um of this plan you have all these different segments and that's when it becomes interesting to me as a lender i want to understand who will be resilient under the different you know sort of introductory bills because i don't think right. it's going to be one i think it's going to we're going to see several and it's going mm-hmm. to be a step-by-step process until we have full interstate commerce and i think by the way interstate commerce will not will not occur in the next probably five to ten years that's that's the time frame at least that i that i'm thinking um just because not legally, mis- anyways. <laughs> not legally that's, uh, I, I was i was just thinking that exactly so I think it's very interesting because I think high quality product will gravitate towards an indoor facility. There is no question in my mind that, you know, high quality indoor farming will win at the end when it comes to cannabis. I think that product will behave somewhat like a craft beer or maybe a spirit or maybe a little bit of a wine. Uh And I think then you're going to have, you know, the outdoor product where I think California will shine in um, Uh that is going to be processed and you'll see that go into vaping. And I think vaping will become more and more of a commodity. So I think you're going to have the microbreweries centered in the Midwestern states because I think that's where, you know, the supply chain makes sense to produce and, and distribute. High-quality indoor product because of utility prices and because of low cost of um, of warehousing and you know it's just the Midwest is built for the industrial process and indoor cultivation is very much an industrial process and then and it's also
0: due to the climate there's less options
1: exactly and then in in the western states you'll see you know the, the outdoor product flourishing and. Um, sort of uh, flooding the market with respect to um, the the all the processed um, elements of uh, of this 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 product spectrum because it, we're not really talking about one one application of cannabis right there there are probably thousands of applications of cannabis even within the consumable space right uh, and of course you have nutraceuticals and everything else. Oh yeah, um, so it's gonna,
0: it's a, We all know it's a, going to be a massive market when it actually becomes a free market. It's yeah. uh, you know it's just going to be, and it's interesting watching it from an international perspective because it there is no standardization, there's no path that everybody's following, there's no there's no normal. It really is just a a hairy industry with uh, lots of questions, but a lot of uh, persistence and the persistence is what's going to win out in the end. John, we are at the end of our segment, but people want to learn about Chicago Atlantic. I mean, they can look at uh, NASDAQ REFI, but uh, to visit your site to learn more, either as an operator or somebody looking to invest through your organization, how do they go about uh, learning more?
1: Uh, They can visit our website. they They can contact myself or my partners. Um, all the information is listed on the two websites that we have, one for the publicly traded REIT, like the one, the, the one you mentioned. And then, of course, mm-hmm. we have the Chicago Atlantic Credit, which has everything that we do, including the private funds. Uh, right. We'd love to talk to anyone who is interested on either side of our demand equation, both investors and borrowers.
0: Right. And the URL for everybody's sake is uh, ChicagoAtlantic.com? That's right. Perfect. Excellent. Well, John, thank you so much for being on the Green Peak this week. It's been a really interesting conversation. And thanks to everybody for listening. I'm Richard Zwicky, and we'll be back again with you next week.
1: Thank you, Richard. Thank you for having me.